0: Welcome back to a very special episode of the Knicks Rewind Podcast. We have a special guest, Mike Vorkanov, Knicks beat writer for The Athletic. Owen and I are both longtime subscribers to The Athletic, so it's a nice opportunity for us to be able to talk to one of the guys we read every day. So Mike, thanks for coming. We appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks for subscribing. Thanks for reading. Thanks for having me on. Of course.
0: All right. So yeah, no, it means a lot. We will just get right into it. Um, so there's been some recent Knicks news, despite the hiatus and everything going on. So I saw a report the other day, I think it was from Begley, that the Knicks are expected to make an aggressive offer for Oladipo and that contract negotiations aren't going too well in Indiana. What have you heard and what do you think and what kind of fit do you think Oladipo could be? I mean, it's sure it's kind of a long stretch that it actually happens, but it's an interesting idea for this offseason. season.
1: You know, I don't doubt um Ian's reporting. Uh, I think going after Oladipo would obviously be interesting and it would be the type of um player that they've been trying to get back in in New York since they traded away Carmelo Anthony. He's a free agent after uh, the 2021 season, so the the off season of 20 uh, 21 whenever that off season will be, whenever we play the next season and all that. I think he's going to be uh, I want to say somewhere in his late 20s at at that point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're not getting someone who's going to be in their prime, uh, if you do trade for him. And I don't know how that would all work. He's all, you know, he's already 28 years old. So a year from now, he's gonna be 29 going on 30. Um, I don't know how that coincides with their current timetable of the young players that they have now, but I think what's clear is that, um, I think the timetable is going to be accelerated, uh, compared to Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, who are obviously, a few years away from their prime and a few years from being in a place where they can really make the Knicks um, a consistent playoff team if they continue to mature and get better and all that. But it does seem, you know, look, like I think what the Knicks were projecting um, by hiring Leon Rose, by everything that they did over the last month before the – or month and a half before the season shut down was that they want to be a place where they can eventually get a good player, a, a star player, an all-star level player, and that's what Old Depot was before he um, – you know was injured last year uh i don't know if oladipo is the right person for that i don't know who the person uh to fill that role will eventually be if the knicks are able to pull that off Uh, um but he's he's an interesting idea you know uh if the pacers feel like they can't resign him and they have a year left after um this season ends whenever that happens you know that's that's about the time you offer the extension and it's almost like a pre-agency type of situation and you figure out what you can do the next offseason. So uh, I think whether Old Depot and, and the Pacers are able to reach an extension agreement um, will kind of project what's going forward.
0: Cool. It's also probably yeah. a bit of a risky move because of that injury he's coming off of. And, you know, he only played a few games this year, right? But and he wasn't that effective and the Pacers weren't winning as many good. games. Yeah. But it's also unfair to, you know, judge a guy coming off a of season ending injury and, you know, coming back and
1: bad injury though. yeah so yeah i mean he only played like i think 13 games i'm just looking at it now and uh, obviously the production was far away from what it was you know his first two years in indiana when he was an all-star both times but i don't really think that's fair to judge right where oladipo is um based on you know a sliver of a season uh, since he came back from a major injury yeah but an explosive guy yeah, like oladipo
0: I, in the I, garden could be pretty fun
1: Well, that would also be part of the difficulty in coming to an agreement on a contract with him, right, Mm -hmm. Um, is because he was an all-star level player. He wasn't like one of the elite of the elite, and he did have a major injury. And by the time the contract kicks in, he'll be um, 29 years old. So how much do you want to pay a player like that? So, you know, the Pacers would be taking on, I think, some risk if they were to give him a a max contract let's say and if you know in this hypothetical if that's the road the knicks go down you know there's a level of risk to giving him a max contract at 29 and bringing him in and especially if you have to trade for him and you give up assets to do it like uh, that's a that would be a somewhat risky move by the knicks
0: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i agree i i think the other thing to look at is like how much does he line up with our timeline um and i don't think he does it all you know when most of your good young players or I don't I don't even want to say good we don't really have many good young players but are in their early 20s and by the time they hit their peaks Oladipo will be on the wrong side of 30 um but it will be an interesting situation to monitor
1: yeah but that's that's the difficulty right like ideally um if you're the Knicks you want to get someone who's already really good like an all-star level player and he's like 25 right uh, the problem with that is that everyone wants those types of players and they're probably not going to give them up if they have them. And even like, if, you know, if someone like that does hit the market, you're gonna have to give up a lot and it might involve trading away one of those players that you want to use, you know, as a supplement at like an R.J. Barrett, like a Mitchell Robinson. Right. So like that becomes um, kind of this trade off you're weighing and trying to figure out what to do with. And so I don't know what you do in that situation. Obviously, free agency is easier to navigate if you can just sign them off the free agent market. But the Knicks historically have not had success that way.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to Perry Owen. You want to take this part over?
2: Yeah. What What do you think um, about the Scott Perry deal? Um, Just overall, I guess it got announced a few days ago. Do you think that it was a good move for the Knicks? Is he just more of a placeholder um, because of kind of all this uncertainty going on? Um, Do you think he has Real future with the organization beyond this year.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. It's hard to say. You know, I think we're going to see how well Scott Perry and Leon Rose work together for the next year. I think Leon Rose is going to see how well they work together too. Obviously, they haven't. You know, they have a relationship that dates back something like two decades. I think um, Scott Perry was an exec in the Pistons front office when uh, Leon represented Rip Hamilton back then. Uh, so they've known each other a while. I, I think really is probably a marriage of um, convenience and comfort. You know, he, they've worked together for a while. Um, Leon is still filling out his front office, and that's harder to do, obviously, when you're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and because they have known each other for a long time, and, and Scott Perry already has a general manager position with the Knicks, and you have – they're on the books for one more year, right? Like, it's not a five-year contract that they picked up. Um, that makes it easier. And And I think if you're trying to figure out how the front office will work – I would guess that Brock Aller has as larger voice, if not larger, with uh, with Leon um, than Scott does.
0: That's a good transition into our next topic. So a couple of weeks back, or maybe like a week back, we hired Brock Aller. And so how much influence do you think he'll have on day-to-day operations? Like what specifically will he have an influence on, salary or personnel? You know, he's coming from Cleveland. So can you just explain what, his, what you think his role will be here
1: in New York? Uh, The way I understand it, he's kind of going to be like a right-hand man in terms of strategy um, for Leon Rose. You know, his background is as a capologist, right? But that's kind of like, a. I feel like that word is kind of narrow to describe the type of job that someone does. You know, from what I understand, in Cleveland, you know, he was responsible for figuring out how to make deals work, how to make contracts work, um, how to massage the cap whenever the Cavs needed to, and they needed to a lot in those later LeBron James years. Um, and also figuring out what deals they can do and they can pull off under the salary cap and where they can find kind of, um, small victories on the margin. And I think he'll be doing that for Leon in New York. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, I think that's what he was brought in to do. I don't, I don't know if he's necessarily, and I don't even know if like using these types of labels is, uh, good or smart. And so maybe I'm the idiot here, but like, I don't know if he's necessarily, let's say like a basketball guy. Like I think Scott Perry is a basketball guy, obviously. Right. Like, he has worked in the NBA for a long time. He was an assistant coach. Um, he came up through uh, the basketball system. And so I think uh, um, Brock Aller gives a different kind of perspective. And, and I think that's going to be what he'll do for the Knicks and um, give him give Leon that type of viewpoint.
0: Cool. All right, let's move on to some of the offseason or whenever that will happen or maybe we're already in it. I don't know. But Owen, take, yeah, over, who take over here.
2: Yeah. So I guess one of my questions was like, How did the Knicks internally view themselves going into next season? Like, do they see themselves as a team that is right on the cusp of being a playoff team or do they see themselves as being a few years away? And I guess, how will they act?
1: I'll Um, be honest. I I don't know. Um, We haven't heard from Leon Rose since he got hired. It's been uh, over two months now. And you know, He's a guy who keeps everything pretty close to the vest, And I you know, I I'd like to guess and at least like have an educated guess for you, but really I don't know. I don't know what their timetable looks like. I don't know if they want to ramp up quickly over this offseason and try to make the playoffs next season. I don't know if they want to use next year as a bridge gap and try to um really build things together in the two uh in the twenty twenty one off season. I I just don't have an answer for you. Um yeah. and that's that's gonna be really interesting to see like how quickly they want to get this done. I think Look, if you want to be um, a realist when it comes to looking at the Knicks, there's usually not a lot of leeway for coaches and for execs with the Knicks, right? Um, Name me the coach who's had two rebuilding years and then stuck around and had three more and been there for five, six years and got to see his project go through. That hasn't happened. And I look, all all these people probably understand um, where they're working and the history of the people and their jobs. I don't know what Leon intends to do, but. But I'd guess that Leon is a pragmatist and he understands the nature of the um, of the job that he has and just what job security is. And, um, you know, obviously he sold something, Uh, you know, he gave James Dolan a plan when he took over the job. We'll see what.
2: I guess I have another question Um, It's kind of related to what you're talking about. What's it like being a, a beat reporter for probably the weirdest, you know, P.R., team office um in the entire nba like how is it is it, is it hard sometimes <laughs> to like get quotes or um because nobody ever talks and they just put out these like random statements on twitter um, <laughs> all the time
1: uh it's an interesting job to have as your first time covering an nba team you know i didn't get to ease my way in i didn't get to do it in a market that's out of the limelight i do not get to go to like cleveland right Um, and so it's it's been fun it's been interesting it's difficult obviously you know the knicks haven't had an executive talk since november 10th um which is weird that i remember in my head the last time they had an executive talk right Mm -hmm. um (laughs) it's uh you know the types of stories that i like to do which do involve talking to a lot of people which do involve uh i wouldn't say access but i would say just an ability to talk to people on the record for things. Um, and I think that's the best way to get stories out is to talk to people on the record when you can. Um, is it, That doesn't really happen in New York. Even, you know, the players, when you can get them are accessible. But, you know, pregame, postgame uh, is not really, uh, I don't know, it's not the most uh, fertile time for reporting and for talking to players. And so it, it is a hard job uh, on the scale of, you know, covering an NBA team, it, but I can't really complain too much because in big scheme things, you know, covering basketball and no matter what, that's a fun job and I'm lucky to have it. And I shouldn't complain about uh, what my gig is.
0: Um, yeah.
1: So, yeah.
0: Thank you. And off season chat is tough, right? Because we don't know when it's going to happen, but we'll quickly hit, you know, some coaching stuff real quick and then we'll go to the draft. And then we'll do like a 2019-2020 season and review where we have a few questions there. So my last like upcoming off season question is, in your articles, you've made some cases for our potential coaching candidates. Who do you think is the best fit here personally? And, you know, I, I like Miller and, um, you know, like Thibodeau is some. Owen, you want to mention who you like the most?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Atkinson guy.
0: That's who I think.
2: And uh, do you think, I guess, like, I saw a couple or the other day, like, that um, we, or the, the Rockets and Nets were also expected to hire Thibodeau, or go in and look at Thibodeau. So do you know anything about who the Knicks are targeting besides Thibodeau? Because that's the only name, I guess, that's really come out a lot. And how do you guys think about Miller? And I know you talked um, about Miller, and you kind of made a case for him to come back. Um, do you think that's realistic?
1: At all. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in New York, but maybe on, on staff or something like that. I it's hard to it's hard to handicap all this. Like I think the only name that we've really heard uh, tied to the job, and this isn't directly from anyone with the Knicks though, has been Tom Thibodeau, and that's kind of more like circumstantial um evidence, right? Like they've known each other for such a long time, they've had this long um, standing relationship and Thibodeau has obviously had success in the NBA. and it wouldn't surprise me if the first coach that Leon Rose hires is someone that he does know well, right? Like it's not even the like oh, you know they you know one used to be a CA client one used to run CA. It's just you know there's a comfort um, factor that comes with any hiring decision. You hire the people you know and you're comfortable with um and who you have good relationships with, uh, especially in times of pandemic, let's say. Uh, so Mike, my- Miller has done a good job with the Knicks uh, since he took over in December like it's been a hard job he got put into a difficult position and I think he's done well with it um, I think he deserves to get an interview and get a look at the job and I you know when I wrote the case for Mike Miller uh, there's there's a bunch of reasons from the on-court product to the fact that he you know his low-key demeanor kind of fits in New York where things get crazy and hectic and they asked him Ah, uh, to mm-hmm. do a lot as essentially a spokesperson for the team, and he handled that well. I think Atkinson is obviously an interesting choice. Like he, if if the Knicks want to develop young players and eventually get to a place to sign star free agents, well, that's kind of what he did in Brooklyn, right? Um, exactly the application yeah. is, yeah, the application is obvious, right? You know, one team to another, same state, in the same city, and all that. Um, so you know, that's that's the use case right there. Uh, I I don't know which way the Knicks will go. You know, obviously, like the, I think the folly, and I've been saying this, is that the folly, and only limiting it to like hiring, to saying that the Knicks uh, will hire Tim Tom Thibodeau. While that may actually be the truth and turn out that way, is that Leon Rose knows a lot of people around the league. Uh, we don't know who he knows, right? So if we're just basing it off of he's had a long-standing relationship with Coach X, and so that's the reason why he'll get a job, we don't know everyone that mm-hmm. that Leon knows. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Tom might be the only guy that we really know about publicly. We don't know who else is on that list for Leon. And so may eventually be Tom, but I, I would just say uh, widen the scope a little bit, probably.
2: I think something that's funny also is I think every single person now looks to see if like a prospective free agent or prospective coach is a CA client. Uh, yeah. And like <laughs> everybody is a CA client. It's like the most popular basketball um, agency, um, so I mean, who knows? He, he's he's very clearly well-connected.
1: Well, I'll um, say this, too. So, yeah. um, listen, I, I think it would be not giving Leon Rose much credit um, if you said he was only going to hire CAA clients, right? Like, Sure, he used mm-hmm. to work there, but he doesn't work there anymore, anymore and the most the, mo- most... the best thing he can do in his own self interest, which is what he should be thinking about now, right, is hiring whoever he thinks is the best person for the job. You know, helping CA doesn't matter anymore for him, or shouldn't at least. Um, so I, I think just kind of narrowing it to CA clients is is probably uh, a little too speculative uh, for me or for anyone else. Like, you know, if Leon Rose is good at what he does, he's just gonna hire whoever thinks is the best, not mm-hmm. necessarily who the best CA guy is. Yeah, right. Otherwise, uh, if he's only limiting it to CA guys, he's already in trouble.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: Um. All right. This next uh-huh. question. Is a draft-related question, so it's just first question. We get the Knicks get the number one pick in the draft. Who do you take?
1: Um, that's a good question. Uh, I haven't delved too deep into the draft stuff yet, but I would say probably the guys who intrigue me the most are uh, Lamelo Ball because he has an elite skill um, that seems to be really interesting and in that they don't they don't have. They have somebody who can push and transition, uh, someone who seems to be a really good passer, has great floor vision, and I think there's kind of um, amplified benefits to that than just having a guy who racks up a lot of assists when you have him as one of your best players. Uh, Anthony Edwards seems like he could be the kind of prototypical wing two guard in the NBA if everything um, goes right for him, but there's a lot of, it seems like there's a good amount of cracks to his game. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Obi Topin, Uh, Obi Toppin is kind of interesting to me as just kind of this um, athletic four um, who compare well if his jump shot uh, gets there with Mitchell Robinson. But I'm not really sure that the Knicks, especially if they get the number one pick, uh, should go a big man considering they already have one with Robinson. And really in the league now, you need wings and you need guards. Um, So those are kind of the three I'm thinking of. Uh, I I think those are the most interesting ones. Uh, You know, I think you've seen like Isaac Okoro thrown out there from um, Auburn, right? Uh, Big fan. Our, Big yeah, fan. our Sam yeah. Vicini just put out his board, um, his draft board, and I think he had LaMelo one, and he had Anthony Edwards two, and I think James Weissman three. I, that's the one guy I would be surprised to see if the Knicks yeah, took Weissman. For sure. um, yeah, I I'd agree. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I If they go, you know, if they get the number one pick, I, I would guess it. You know, Lamelo or Anthony Edwards make the most sense there. I
0: think if the Knicks draft Obi Toppin and it won't, uh, first overall, I don't think Nick or I don't think that Owen will watch a game next season. No, or, I don't that think guy that guy. Is I, at you at
1: know, I like, I, I like. Obi Toppin. <laughs> I, hate Obi Toppin. I, don't uh, I just, hate Obi Toppin. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's the best talent, and like you should go best talent uh, when you're picking that high, and especially yeah. uh, talent plus fit might be a little odd.
0: Yeah, I'm a big. Yeah, I. I go ahead.
2: He's also 22 which is hard and and i I think he has a lot of empty stats like a lot of just he just dunked a lot off like alley-oops like pick and roll layups i think he just he benefited from being really athletically superior to the people around him um he didn't play in the strongest um conference in college basketball um the atlantic 10 um last time we talked about this i My dad went to Richmond, which is in the Atlantic Ten, and I said Mm -hmm. that Richmond was glorified Division Three basketball. So I have to (laughs) I take that back, Um, but it is not the strongest conference, Um, and I think he kind of benefited from that just because he's an incredible athlete.
1: Yeah, Um, but I mean, when you're looking at like this draft specifically, there's a lot of people playing, and you know, like how do you deal with Lamelo who's playing in New Zealand, which isn't like a uh, Australia, sorry, which isn't like a top flight. Uh, professional league, right? No, Memphis, yeah. you know, James Weissman was in the AAC for three games. Uh, Dayton, obviously, Killian Hayes was playing in Germany and not even for like the best team. Um, that's you why know. you go.
0: That's why you go, Anthony Edwards. That's my guy. Yeah, um, but he's you know he's guy got guy. his issues too. No, he's definitely got yeah. his issues. But SEC basketball, I'm an SEC homer so. That's I I want Anthony Edwards just personally. There's a ton of holes in his game, but uh, I go back and forth between Lamelo and Edwards like every day.
2: Me too. Me too. I agree. Um, are the Knicks? I'm curious. Are the Knicks this off season kind of just set on finding their point guard, whether that's like Chris Paul or through the draft? Um, are they high on any of the point guards on their roster? I mean, I know Perry's really high on Alfred Payton, um, but other than that, yeah.
1: Uh, I, I I feel like I'm gonna be a broken record and it's gonna seem like a cop out, but I really don't know, right? Like yeah. Who's gonna be in the front office to make the pick? Um, what scouting staff will Leon yeah, Rose exactly. uh, lean on, right? Like we we don't know all these things yet. You know, they he he has essentially um announced or you know made it known that two guys are gonna be big parts of his front office. We don't know who else will, and so I think um that's the difficult part in projecting all this. You know, like the the Knicks wore had one guy at the top of the food chain or the two, two people at the top of the food chain into February and whatever plans they're making for the draft up until that point um, or whatever ideas they had about the draft at that point, you know, had to change at the very top, right? Because someone new comes in and someone who may have different ideas about what the roster looks like. And, you know, mentioned like Scott Perry likes Alfred Payton. Okay, but Leon Rose might not, you know, like so uh, differing opinions could change the trajectory of what they do.
2: Leon Rose shouldn't like Alfred Payton.
1: I hope he does. But <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like totally surprised if Alfred Payton comes back. Because if you look at two things, like let's say yeah, the Knicks neither. don't go with a point guard in the draft, um, and they don't want to give up assets to trade for one. If you look at the free agent market, there's not really like anyone great out there at the point guard spot. I yeah. don't know how you feel about giving uh, Fred Van VanVleet, let's say, like eighteen million dollars. I think there's arguments there for and against bad, it. But, uh, and so yeah, I mean Alfred Payton. Eight million dollars, one more year. That's that's not a bad thing to do. That's not a like a bad placeholder to have with the position. Um, uh,
2: I think we, yeah. Go ahead, Donnie.
1: Since yeah. since
0: we're on the point guard talk, really quickly, can you just can you talk to me about Frank? Owen and I are huge Frank guys, and I realized that I wasn't really thinking about him when we were planning the show. Just, do you think? I know it's impossible for you to know because the media or the front office hasn't really come out and said anything. But do you think Frank is a real part of this future?
1: I think his next season will determine that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's going to be a restricted free agent um, off season of twenty twenty one. I think he'll be back next year, uh, but you know, he's got to make some more growth offensively. And I think if he impresses uh, the current front office, then I think he could stay. Uh, but you know that's a decision to be made. Like, if he's, you know, he'll be 2020, 20, uh, 22 years old uh, next off season, four seasons in the league. If he hasn't shown much more growth offensively, I don't know what kind of salary you try to peg him to if you try to resign him. Mm-hmm. Um, and if some other team makes a big offer to him, or you know, relatively big, let's say like eight million dollars, or something like that. I don't know. That would be a hard call to decide yeah. what to do there. I hope we. Yeah, can. I agree.
0: I'm so high on Frank.
1: I hope we keep him. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> but anyway. We'll move on.
2: We'll go on. Yeah. On the topic of young players, um, I'd say the most important one for the future of this team is, is RJ Barrett. Um, so what, what do you think about him? Um, do you think he has the chance to kind of be a, a cornerstone? Um, I guess from what you've seen this year, um, is the team like ready to just build all around him? Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think he's shown some promise to be a potential corner, uh quarters- Wow, <laughs> uh, <it's a laughs> cornerstone. I've just lost all ability to think and speak anymore. Um, this is what happens when you only spend time on the computer and talking yeah, to your daughter. All, Not blaming uh, you, Yeah, yeah. So I think he's shown the ability to be a cornerstone type of player. Um, to be a guy who can be like one of the three best players on a good team. Um, like, is he a definite future All Star? I don't. I don't think you can say that after his first year in the league. Um, I think where he goes with his jump shot will really determine a lot and just how good he can possibly be. Uh, But I do think there's promise there. Like there's a good player there. There's you know, an archetype for a really good player there. And it's, uh, you know, how, how he works on his game and what parts he improves upon. And then also what the Knicks put around them. Like this year, it was, it was a little bit difficult to judge him because he was just put in a bad situation. Like, the roster composition wasn't optimal for his development. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they didn't put shooters around them. There wasn't a lot of spacing for him. He was still able to get to the rim a lot and make tough shots and all that. But I also wonder, like, what's he look like if they put three shooters around them and Mitchell Robinson diving to the rim? Um, that, you know, I think if he was able to do that for a year and the type of offense that plays in that type of system, like, we might have a different... Uh, we might have a different evaluation of his rookie year.
0: Owen was hard on RJ all year. So that's what I kept telling him all year. And now that we're hearing it from a writer, I think that's set in stone, Owen, that <laughs> you've got to give him another chance. You can't, you got, it's only been one year. But anyway, that's yeah. like exactly what the next question was. Yeah. So in your article about RJ, you referenced some scouts saying he played out of position. I, Owen and I feel like it's obvious, but do the Knicks really notice that? And do they have any interest or presence of mind to move him from the three because of this year's lack of spacing?
1: Yeah, I think this year he was just kind of stuck where he was. Like the Knicks tried to play big very often. That's just what their roster was. They had a lot of fours and fives and, um, you know, threes and all that type of stuff. So he almost, if he had to get minutes, it was at the nominal two position. Like he was on the wing. Um, and so there was a lot of trade off there, but if you're playing alongside Marcus Morris, right. Um, you're probably going to be playing, you know, Marcus Morris, Julius Randall and Taj Gibson were the starting front court. And in the NBA nowadays, that's a pretty big front court. Um, so so you're just going to be big all along and you're just going to be a big two guard. I think eventually he'll be a three. I think that's uh, a better position for him alongside, you know, shooters or point guard. Um, maybe. I, I think one of the scouts I quoted there said uh, they can see him eventually becoming like a small ball four even because he is six seven and he is pretty physically imposing, uh, especially for a rookie. He's a big I, and so I, I could see that happening as well. Yeah. I, I mean, it's really that's what I mean. Like a lot of it has to come down to roster composition, right? I don't know if he's uh, best equipped to guard a a two on the perimeter, right? It might be a little, someone a little bigger and slower. Uh, that really fits some. And so, you know, that comes with trade-offs too, right? Um, will he be able to muscle through, uh, you know, someone who's like 6'8 uh, and, you know, 220 instead of like 6'6, 205, right? Um, and muscling to the rim was, you know, an important part of his game and just being able to get there. So I, I think there's trade-offs. But I, I think do I, I think eventually he'll be playing in the front court as a kind of a uh you know a three maybe a small ball four in some lineups and i think that'll fit him well and he can still be yeah i mean like positions are kind of whatever at this point at least in my Mm -hmm. eyes right it's more about what you're Mm -hmm. asked to do on a you know on a floor for a team like he can still be someone who runs pick and roll and does playmaking and gets his own shot and all that type of stuff um so it's more so about the type of players that's around you than just like is he a two or a three or a four yeah i I agree
2: with the, the positions thing to a certain extent um, because I guess Fisdale made me think a little differently about that because when you throw around like Randall, you know, Morris, and like that spacing was terrible. I think you got to kind of stick RJ um, into a certain box. Um, and I guess like my next question for you, I've been super hard on RJ and I've never really liked RJ as a prospect in part because like when you talked about LaMelo, you talked about like, he's got like a real talent and that's like his ability to pass the ball. And I'd never seen anything like that with RJ um, because everyone says he gets to the rim and he's actually the worst finisher in the NBA. Um, do you think he, I guess, like has a real skill like that? Um, is that I, his skill? Like what? Yeah.
1: I I think getting to the rim is his skill. Like, I think it's in you know, if not, it's not there quite yet, um, despite what numbers. Say, but I think eventually he'll be, you know, one of the better players in the league. at getting to the rim and just finding a shot there. He's got to improve um, finishing there. Like he's not an elite athlete, so I think that contributes to some of his um, lower shooting numbers when he gets in the paint and around the basket. But you can get better as an athlete, um, not substantially better, but you can still get better and finish. You know, figure out ways how to finish around defenders and and you know just what to do when you get there. I think he'll continue to mature like. As a player, uh, I think he'll you know, one of the things he said, I think it was after the Knicks played in Houston was like he's, you know, he's kind of interested in in the way that James Harden um, accelerates and decelerates when he's in the paint to create room for himself and to create shots for himself. I think that's something he'll probably try to work on um, and, and, you know, figure out how to do for himself, too. Right. And that'll be able to create easier shots for him, get more. Get to the line more often uh, and which he did, you know, at a pretty substantial rate for a rookie this year, too. So if he can get to the line, if he can get to the rim, um, he's just got to be able to improve there. And, you know, if he becomes like a thirty five percent three point shooter at the very least, like that's that's already a better player there. Um, and, and you know, that's not maybe not necessarily like an all star level player, but it's a pretty good player.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on to Knox really quickly, because Knox has had a tough couple of first years in the league So uh, you wrote the other day about, like, his confidence and everything. That all disappeared this season. Uh, Look at Knox's opportunities to run the pick and roll, something he'll need to eventually do for him to be a top-scoring option in the wing, as the Knicks imagined upon drafting him. Like, what what coach do you think would suit Knox well with, you know, opportunities to run the pick and roll or maybe be a ball handler or become a potential big-time scorer, even though I don't think he'll ever be a big-time scorer from what I've seen. But you know quickly can you just touch on Knox and like what style of play and what coaching will f- suit him going into next year
1: yeah i mean talking to people who watch the knicks and it is you know I, I quoted two scouts there but i've heard from others they they think he's a four um mm-hmm. and for so sure. kind of a small ball four you know and he's he played again we're getting to positions but like he played at the three and the, the two even sometimes right. um this year and like you know especially at the two that's not good for him defensively um As a four, you know, he can stretch the floor uh, eventually. That's like the first thing he can do, right? I think just hitting him uh, with shots in the corner and the perimeter, we can get a shot going. Um, I think it will be better for him and just help him be uh, a contributor quicker. And then Mm -hmm. once you go from there, you know, you work on his ball handling, see if he can run the pick and roll and create for you there at, you know, at least like a good enough level. Um, and I think that's how you build out his game. But first, you find a position and a role that's, that fits for him. And early on, you know, he'll still be only 21 next year. Like, he's growing. He got bigger in the off season uh, Last summer, I think he put on, I want to say 15 pounds, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm – I don't know. He was more muscular. I know that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so – yeah, so his, his you know his body continues to mature and he finds a role that works for him and he can he has the jump shot. I think people thought he would be a shooter when he gets to the NBA. Uh, if he can get that going and that's how he can contribute early on, and if you can have a guy who's like six eight on the perimeter and playing small ball four, and um, you know from time to time be a good weak side shot blocker or something like that, which he showed this season, I think that would be a good starting point for him. Yeah,
0: Knox has like a good NBA body. He's got a good looking jumper but because of how poor the roster construction was this year it's hard to play him at the 4 obviously because of all the fours that we signed so he was just in a tough spot this year i think it's hard to you know judge his future off of this one year and his rookie year so he's only like 2021 20, so i'm i'm not I'm, i haven't given up yet
1: yeah, and I don't. I don't think you he should. He's he's young enough where you shouldn't give up on him. Um, you know, you got a four year contract when you, when you get him as a first round pick, right? Like, uh, see what all four of those years can bring for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: Oh, and um, any final Knicks specific questions that you want to ask before we move on to our short final segment?
2: Um, I guess I don't really have anything right now. Um, it's a bit of a tough time for basketball news. Um. I guess I have one. Um, realistically, just do you think there's any chance the NBA comes back this summer?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, if you see, like, I, I retweeted our Magic writer today, who was saying uh, the, the Magic CEO went and had a, some conference call, business roundtable or something in Orlando, was saying that the NBA really wants to get back this summer. It seems like they're intent on it. So yeah, I could see a way where um, they have the conclusion of this 2019-20 season. I have no idea what the hell it's going to look like, um, but I think it it could definitely happen. I think that's what the league is trying to do. There's a lot of revenue to lose if you don't. Uh, So, you know, it makes sense. If you can do it responsibly, right? That's the thing is, if you can do it responsibly, then do it. But I think right now it would just be hard to, as of right now, uh, it seems like it would be kind of hard uh, to responsibly bring the league back and make it happen from, you know, you need testing, uh, you need a lot more testing than is a lot of than is available right mm-hmm. now. You need to either put everyone in one place or. Um, yeah, I don't, know. I don't even know. Like, up. you know, you saw. <laughs> you saw Fauci, what uh, he said is like basically you just got to put everyone in one place in a bubble scenario. Right. Like, OK, mm-hmm. um, sure. You, but you need a lot of testing. There's not a lot of testing available yeah. right now. Um, so that's why it's hard to project. Like, I think the NBA wants to bring it back. I understand why they do. If they can do it responsibly, that's great. Um, but it just, you know, I think the resources aren't there for the league or any league right now to be able to, to play a a season, any portion of their season. And a lot of that has to do with just the lack of testing in the country at the moment. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, we know you got to run in a minute, so I'm going to ask you two quick questions. Quarantine related best quarantine shows so far you've watched.
1: All right. All right. Um, unorthodox was great on Netflix. Yeah. I am, Binging Community again, um, Funny
0: show.
1: which yeah, I loved the first time when when it was on TV, um, and I, I think like it's even better now. It's amazing. You should watch Community <laughs> if you haven't yet. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm done
0: with season one. It's mm-hmm.
1: good. Yeah, it just only gets better. It's really a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, Scrubs is on Hulu. Yeah, uh, I want to make sure that I'm not like Netflix specific. No, i uh, I just got uh, Hulu. Hulu.
2: Yeah, Billions is really good. Yeah, my dad loves. Yeah, Billions, yeah written by
0: a, so a like... Knicks
1: fan. Oh
0: really? Um yeah. You uh, see, Brian did, you, did you see uh did you see succession?
1: I did see succession. I show. would recommend succession yeah, if you have HBO. Show. loved succession. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think what else there is. Uh you know, I've been watching the last dance every Sunday like yep. everyone else. It's yeah, been good. Yeah, I don't think I it's been that. like great. Um, um uh, oh, Breaking Bad. No, sorry, not Breaking Bad. Uh, Better Call Saul has been wonderful. Yeah, I just finished the fourth season show. on Netflix. I'm trying. Yeah, trying to figure out where I watch season five. Yeah, Breaking um, Bad is one of my
0: favorite shows of all time. So I I just started yeah. Better Call Saul. It's a good show.
1: Yeah. Better Call Saul is really good. If you haven't watched Breaking Bad yet, um, go ahead and do that as well. I mean, like, there's so much good, like, that's the thing. Like, this is, <laughs> you know, of all the of all the uh, times to be quarantined or self-isolating, um, there's a lot of stuff to watch at this moment in time. This would have been, I think, a lot harder in the 80s or whatever it was when you were just stuck with Cosby Show and uh, TJF Friday mm-hmm. um, stuff on ABC. So, yeah, I, those are the shows I'm going through right now, but, like, I think, you know, I write a column every week where I write about what I'm watching uh, this week. So there's always something good. You know, Brittany Runs a Marathon is a movie that I just watched mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime. I liked it. Um, there's a lot of... There's too many mm-hmm. good things on right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, and, you know, it's probably been a lot of TV, but other than writing, what have you been doing to keep yourself occupied without sports? Just random things. Could be one or two things.
1: Uh, honestly, like... I have been trying to maintain somewhat of a normal work schedule when I can Um, not always possible. And (laughs) at the end of the day, when I'm done working, I'm just trying to uh, put my kid to sleep and then like sit in front of the television and just relax. I've tried to read, um, but you get so tired from work and everything else that it's hard to read sometimes. But I'm trying to make some time every day or every week at least to read a book. And um keeping my brain working a little bit. I don't wanna let it atrophy during this time.
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. my final question, or maybe Owen, you have one more after this, but with sports not happening, like ha- and you write almost like every day. So how do you find these things to write about? Where like what's your brainstorming process if there's no if it's a slow news day, which many of these days have been?
1: Uh every day is a slow news day. Um Yeah, I don't know. You know, like I don't know. Maybe some part. Some of it is just like kind of. I want to say like common sense. Yeah. But like you know the like I've been doing like the season and reviews for Nilakina and Barrett and Robin um, Mitchell Robinson's gonna be this week. Um, you know, just stuff you do when you cover a team. Uh, I've been trying to like look back into history and see if there's anything interesting there. Like we have Nexus, and so I can kind of look into newspaper clips um from the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and the 2000s and just like dig into stuff that i find um interesting and just like learn more about it like i wrote about magic johnson apparently flirting with the knicks in the 90s i had no mm-hmm. clue about that and I, I bet a lot of people didn't um and it's just it's just like that it's like i'll see something that just sparks my um attention or gets my brain going and then i'll kind of dig into it a little bit and you know I, it's weird. I have a bunch of stories that I'm working on right now, mm-hmm. um, but because I cannot keep track and keep focused long enough, I can't quite finish all of them, which is a good problem and a bad problem to have. So, like, I have no shortage of stories that I want to do and that I'm working on. I just have a shortage of stories that I've finished and published.
0: It's very similar to me with my homework situation for school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very hard to motivate uh, myself.
1: Yeah. You know, honestly, like, one of the things I've tried to do is try to get back into learning a little bit um and just not i don't want to say like pick up a new skill i think that's kind of the wrong way to put it but just like keep learning new things and you know try to find time when i can like i'm trying to you know if i can like learn programming or learn coding a little bit during all this uh but it's just difficult to find the time so mm-hmm. in some way i'm kind of envious that you guys are uh, able to keep learning and you have homework. I'd love to have, you know, some learning and homework on math or science or um, something I, like I that. Don't that <laughs> I, I don't know about that, man. I
0: don't know about that. Listen, <laughs> when I was when I
1: was in school, I loved math. I was a good math student. Uh, I liked science. So I, I never hated that part. I was lazy, uh, but I never disliked yeah. learning. Mm-hmm. I'm
0: lazy. That's fair. We're both lazy. Yeah, uh. except when it comes to sports. <laughs>
1: yeah that's uh that happens often enough that's how a lot of people get into this industry
0: yeah oh and you have any final questions before we wrap it up
2: no i i I don't yeah thanks a lot mike yeah we really
0: appreciate it and you know the platform is yours for the next 30 or so sir, whatever how much time you need to uh (laughs) socials i don't know do your thing anything
1: uh no no listen thanks for having me it was fun coming on um i hope all your listeners uh subscribe to the athletic Mm-hmm. Um, for the Knicks coverage, for everything else that we cover, which is kind of like every uh, major team, major professional team in uh, North America right now, and some soccer over in England and Europe. So, um, yeah, so you know, subscribe to the Athletic if you haven't. We have a ninety-day free trial going. Um, so if you're not a subscriber yet, you can get in, check us out, and for a pretty good deal.
0: It's worth it, guys. But anyway, yeah, thank you. We really That's appreciate fun. it, and we hope we can keep in touch soon. And we hope that you find things to write about that doesn't take a lot of work
2: yeah good luck good luck thanks guys i appreciate (laughs) it yeah stay safe during all this yeah yeah stay inside